This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail. In North America, demographic changes are creating a more diverse customer base. This means brand strategy and marketing needs to become more inclusive quickly. But some marketers are nervous about making mistakes trying to speak to audiences with different experiences. Today, my guest is Pooja Prakash, a graduate student at OCAD, completing her master's in strategic foresight. And we're going to talk about why this is so important to take on and how to put yourself in the best possible position to be authentic and inclusive. Hi, Pooja. Welcome. Hi, Melinda. It's nice to be here. Can you just start us off, tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Pooja. I am currently doing my uh, Master's in Strategic Foresight and Innovation at OCAD. My background before coming into the Master's uh, has been uh, pretty mixed. I've worked uh, in communications and marketing, uh, as well as user experience design, where I primarily looked at customer journeys and you know design meaningful, thoughtful experiences for customers for different brands. And honestly, my, my background in marketing has helped me look at customer journeys a bit more holistically. And uh, I'm excited to get into inclusive marketing with you in this uh, conversation. As I mentioned, North America is seeing enormous demographic changes. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about what those changes are? Yeah, so in Canada, immigration has always been a trend, but that's been growing uh, in the past few years. Today, one in five Canadians are foreign-born, and that number is going to go up uh, to one in three Canadians by 2036. And the 36% of the new immigrants that are coming into the country um, are either Indian, Chinese, or Filipino. So you can, you can see that the demographic is shifting. There's more immigrants of color, uh, and the population of marginalized communities uh, and not non-dominant culture is growing in Canada. Great. Um, so in Canada, one of the things that is maybe a little different than the US is that because of uh, the way our immigration policies work, is that we are attracting a more affluent um, and higher educated, high, more highly educated immigrant. Can you talk a little bit about this and the difference between Canada and the US? Yeah, absolutely. So Canada has over hundreds of what they call economic immigration streams. And they are attracting immigrants from other countries primarily through these streams. So what that means is immigrants come pre-qualified to work in Canada. And they also have really high education rates among, uh, among Canadian-born populations. So when they come in, they settle pretty easily because they have the means to find the jobs that they need to earn the money and be economically stable. Right. And so obviously attractive to brands in terms of having disposable income. That is correct. Yes. Right. So I alluded a bit in the intro about marketers maybe being a bit nervous about speaking inauthentically to minority groups. And I think we can probably all think of some examples where brands have gone wrong in the past trying to be diverse. Can you tell me about the most common mistakes that brand marketers make when they're trying to market to a diverse audience? Yeah, so there's a few, uh, there's a few ways that brands go wrong when it comes to um, 
addressing marginalized communities. And one big way is cultural appropriation. And we see that pretty common across different marketing messages. Another way is to stereotype uh, communities and do not acknowledge that different communities also have their you know, unique complexities, you know, instead painting them to what, what is commonly known about them. Tokenism is another common way, which is just to symbolically include a person of color in marketing messages. And a brand like Victoria's Secret has been called out for engaging in such sort of messaging. Uh, so yeah, it does make sense why brands are a little nervous when it comes to engaging with visible minorities, because some brands have definitely gotten it wrong. And one of the best ways or the easiest ways to sort of overcome some of these glaring issues is to just have a diverse team and not just have a diverse team, but offer decision-making authority and autonomy to visible minorities within the team. So they have the power to, you know, sort of have checks and balances within the team uh, before the message sort of leaves and goes into the public. Absolutely. I think there's been many examples where in retrospect, when you look at the campaign, you think, how did this ever, how did, how did this ever make it out there into the public? And I think that's one of the biggest factors is that there wasn't somebody in the room who was either empowered to say, hang on, this is a big mistake, or there wasn't anybody who even knew that it would be uh, interpreted that way. So the HR component is, is, is so important. Something else that I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen as well, is that um, sometimes if you don't have a super diverse team, you may be tempted to pull someone from another department and run something by them because they come from a particular community and you're asking them to, to validate what you're doing. But if they're not marketers, that can really go awry. And the example that I always use is, you know, the IT team is not going to pull somebody from marketing in to solve their IT problem. So why would you pull someone from accounting or IT to come and validate your, your marketing uh, campaign? So what would you suggest that if you don't say you don't have a big, big team, so you don't have a lot of people from different communities to speak to those types of mistakes that you could make within your team, how can you overcome that? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And and I do understand that brands don't have the capacity internally when it comes to uh, representation so they can you know have a pretty solid marketing campaign. But there's different ways that brands can understand what they're doing before they actually sort of go into go live with their marketing. So a couple of couple of things come to mind. One is, there's lots of community organizations and immigrant settlement services. Um, they have a lot of insights about immigrant communities and people of color. So brands can definitely, you know, go to them and get some insights, get to know the communities that they're trying to embrace through their marketing messages. And brands need to look at it as a conversation with visible minorities, not just as like, you know, a one-way street where they are marketing to them, but rather look at it as a way to have conversations with them. So sure, a brand may not have the internal capacity to engage in inclusive marketing, but there's lots of other ways in the community that they can leverage uh, in order to get it right. 
Right. And there are a lot of consulting firms that will do a lot of that background research for you and help you um, understand, give you a good solid baseline. Absolutely. And one, one thing to note here is when brands do engage community experts, consultants, or even organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations that deal with immigrants, it's important for brands to you know, consider how they compensate these experts for their insights and their time. Uh, and providing just an honorarium may not necessarily be the best way to, to respect their, in, their input. So really think about how you are engaging with them and how you're compensating them for the insights that they're giving you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are sometimes this understanding that, or this idea that, um, you know, this is something that you can get for free. And that's certainly not appropriate to ask people to share their expertise for free. Okay, so in spite of these, these, you know, challenges, why is it still so important for brands to embrace inclusive marketing? Yeah, so we talked about this a little earlier about how immigrants coming into Canada are generally more uh, affluent, generally a bit more economically stable as well, because Canada brings uh, is encouraging immigration through the economic stream. So it's important for brands to realize that although today people of color may be considered a visible minority, they may soon become uh, a majority in Canada. So look at, look at inclusive marketing as a way to create a connection with a growing sort of influential group of people. Um, they, they, they have a lot of influence, so it's important to look at them that way. And another thing to note is that visible minorities, they earn, and we talked about this earlier too, Melinda, that they have higher levels of disposable income and they have higher purchasing power than they've ever had before. And not only first generation immigrants, but also second and third generation immigrants earn uh, way more than their, their parents did when they first moved. So it's important to look at them as powerful uh, with a high buying and growing buying capacity and also just becoming the new majority. So for all these reasons, I think uh, brands need to, um, you know, look at inclusive marketing as a viable business strategy. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just marketing, because if your consumer base is, you know, if you're saying by 2036, one in three Canadians will have been born somewhere else or um, will be a person of color, that's, it, it's just, that's your consumer base. So it's really just marketing at that point. And we're also, you know, immigration is one thing, but then there's also people having, uh, you know, people marrying someone who is from a different cultural background or different racial background um, and having children and having, you know, that become another demographic as well. That's a really interesting point you bring up. Um, I was recently reading a report um, that was published by Stats Canada about the portrait of a young Canadian, people who are young, uh, particularly youth like from 18 to 35, and 75% of that population consider themselves multicultural, uh, either because they have mixed um, heritage themselves or they are so closely associated with, with friends and family who do have a multicultural background. So that's another thing. And these are young people. They are the future of the country too. So it's important to look at multiculturalism as the very fabric of the country that we are, that we are in. And 
you know, sort of not, not considered it a separate category of marketing, but instead, like you said, a part of uh, overall marketing strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my children are mixed race and they're uh, 12 and 14. And in their uh, their public school classrooms have been so incredibly diverse. And it's not just people from different uh, cultural backgrounds, but people who are multicultural individuals who have multiple different racial and cultural identities. So I definitely see that in my own in my own life. So when I think about what passed for inclusive marketing 10 or 15 years ago, there is a very big difference between that and what we're seeing today. And I, I you know, I, we always come back to Fenty. It's, we talk about Fenty a lot. Um, we talk about inclusion uh, because they were really a, a huge catalyst for change throughout the entire beauty industry, which had been really criticized for many years for not being inclusive. But beyond showing different people with different you know, skin tones or different body types or different gender identities in your marketing campaigns? What are some of the opportunities that are being overlooked right now, in your opinion? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing to note is people of color, immigrants of color, they they also have like human complexities that often get overlooked. Like you said, we tend to stereotype and we tend to tokenize um, in marketing. what I would recommend and I see as a big opportunity for brands is to sort of consider the emotional nature of the immigrant's journey. Immigration is not, is not, is not just a physical relocation. It's also an emotional journey. And there are so many emotions mixed into it, fear, aspiration, success, and, you know, just confusion sometimes and frustration. And I know this because of ha- I have lived experience as an immigrant coming in. So I think that I don't see enough brands tapping into this emotional journey of an immigrant, especially an immigrant of color, and sort of meeting them where they are, addressing their needs in in their whole immigration journey. So I think that that's a big opportunity uh, is to build trust with immigrants, especially when they're most vulnerable. And another opportunity that I see that is not being leveraged as much is to look at immigrants through a generational perspective too. So we don't have just first generation immigrants. There's a huge uh, community of second and third generation immigrants of color too. So brands can, and they and they have very different needs um, and very different sort of expectations as well and experiences. So there's an opportunity there for brands to tailor, tailor their messages to different uh, groups that have different generational status. So I would say that these are two or three big opportunities that come to mind. Great. Those are, that's really um, interesting to think about it as a path and a journey and these, and it's, it's very true when you've just arrived here, I can imagine everything must be, it's just so different. Um, and it's a real opportunity for brands to make a good impression and to be really supportive of that journey. And that is something that we certainly don't see very much of at all. So outside of, you know, we talked a lot about immigration. Um, what about other communities that brands are under leveraging when it comes to speaking about inclusion? Yes, I think that that's a great segue into talking about how inclusive marketing is just not about racial and ethnic inclusion, but it's also looking at the entire spectrum of identities that people hold today, whether that be 
body image, whether that be sexual and gender preferences, language, skin color. So there's all of these other aspects of identity that people hold to. So I think there's there's another opportunity here for brands to go beyond individual racial identity and look at diversity of all forms. Uh, I think that that's that's another big opportunity, and and that that's the reality of everyone's lived experiences. We're not ju- I'm not just Indian Canadian. I am also a woman. I also am a student. You know, so I have all of these other identities. You cannot just look at me for my racial background or my ethnic background. I have all these other identities. So it's important for brands to challenge themselves to look at multiculturalism and inclusion beyond just uh, ethnicity, like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all complex people. None of us are like to be seen as just one thing. So that's a a great point. And I think there's a couple of other, um, this is not necessarily speaking to multiculturalism, but you mentioned gender and sexual preference. There's also ageism. Ageism is one that's really big for me as I, you know, I'm now in middle age and I've seen such a severe drop-off of brands that I find relevant because they're not speaking to me. And it's something that is, we're only really at the very beginning of that conversation. And I also look at Indigenous communities and see that I think brands are really not sure what to do when it comes to speaking to Indigenous communities as well. And especially here in Canada, this last year has been one that's been really challenging for Indigenous Canadians and for the rest of us as well, waking up to some of the horrific realities that maybe we knew about, but we didn't really think about that much. Can you talk at all about that? Absolutely. I think that that's a really important point. I would say that for brands, building relationships with Indigenous communities is is probably the the most important thing they should consider doing right now. And an example of a brand that's engaged with Indigenous communities lately comes to mind is Sephora with the campaign that they did, uh, the first ever campaign that they did for the uh, National Indigenous History Month. And it's called We Belong to Something Beautiful, I believe. And it's a great example of how a brand can celebrate Indigenous beauty, wisdom, and also resilience, but by offering them the stage, you know, as a, as a, as a big brand, it's important to amplify the voices of people who have been silenced all this while. So I think that uh, Sephora did a great job of, you know, starting that conversation and uh, sort of foregrounding that conversation and amplifying that voice. Uh, I think that there's opportunity there for brands, but Personally, I think that it's more than an opportunity. I would say it is an obligation uh, because brands operate in in this environment. So it's an obligation for them to engage with Indigenous communities and learn from them as well. Yeah, and thinking about that Sephora ad, which I saw as well and, and thought it was really well done, it was really important for them to partner with Indigenous creatives where the, the crew and the creative team, it was led by Indigenous activists and artists, not the Sephora marketing team coming in and saying, this is what we want to do. They really gave the stage 
to uh, those creators and to that community to allow them to do it their way. And I think that's a really important message with any community is that, you know, if you want to do a campaign uh, speaking to women in their 70s, if you want to do a campaign speaking to uh, Canadians from the Caribbean, you really do need to have that conversation because it gives you uh, so much more legitimacy when the team who is creating the work has lived that experience. Yeah, so brands like Sephora have also been uh, promoting diversity even before this campaign. They, they've had, you know, in the past, very successful Diwali and Lunar New Year campaigns as well, where they've challenged normative standards of beauty that we hold as a society. So that's, that's been pretty interesting to see. And I was reading lately that um, Sephora is also putting their money where their mouth is. They you know, have come out uh, with a statement that by 2026, they are dedicating, they would dedicate 25% of their brand offering to buy own brands. And not only that, uh, from on the CSR front to Sephora's matching donations, I don't remember up to how much, but they're matching donations to support uh, the two-spirited peoples of the First Nations. So they're also engaging in other, in other activities to sort of make the world a bit more equitable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some brands out there that are doing a really excellent job of this. And another one that comes to mind for me is Aerie. And Aerie, if, if you are not familiar with the brand, it is a, you know, lingerie, sleepwear, swimwear brand. Um, it's generally targeted to younger women. And they have for a long time done a, you know, a no airbrushing, no photoshopping, very diverse in terms of body type, including people with different abilities. And celebrating beauty in a way that is very authentic and very natural. And I think as a woman, you look at someone who looks like you in a picture, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're good enough. And it's not this sort of like 1980s where everything had to be so unrealistic and, and unachievable. And they have really been, Aries really been leading the way in terms of those types of conversations. Another brand that I think of is ASOS, which is a, an online clothing brand coming out of the UK, where they have, um, they've got a really, really wide range of models that they use. And their clothing lines are just by default, if you're shopping on their website, it includes all sizes. And I think that kind of thing is, is important. Um, we're talking about inclusion. It, it's got to be more than just um, one thing and to think about it in a holistic way. And Sephora has definitely been a leader in that way. So it's a lot of stuff. To, it's a lot for, um, for brand marketers to think about. If you were uh, on a brand team, a marketing team, and you really wanted to up your game in terms of being more inclusive with your marketing, what would you suggest as a first step? Yeah, that's a really great question and a, and a practical one of that. From my perspective, I would say that brands need to listen uh, to the people that they are marketing to and engage with them, make it a two-way conversation. Uh, and in, in this day and age, I don't think that's an excuse, especially with platforms like social media. I think that that's, it's a great way to listen and just tune into what people are speaking about and what matters to them. And when brands do that, it will start to emerge. The, the best strategies for them will start to emerge 
and frankly, to just look at how their values would help support, you know, people of color, really. So I would say begin by listening to what they have to say, and then the best ways to engage with them will become more apparent for your brand. And and I think the, the final thing I would say about this is to to not also be biased when listening to people of color, be open-minded, try to embrace their opinions and also understand that they are complex people too with different lived experiences. And it's important not to paint them with like one big brushstroke. So I think those would be like two things and honor complexity and listen to people with an open mind. That's great advice. We'll have to do another episode about uh, overcoming biases because we're not just talking, we talk about biases, we're not just talking about what we always think of as, as, you know, racial bias or gender bias, but there's other biases that come into play. But that's another whole conversation that we'll have to have another day. That's really excellent advice. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Yeah, it was, it was great to have this conversation. Thanks, Melinda. Inclusive marketing is no longer about appealing to a niche audience. As the demographic shift in North America continues to make our population more diverse, an inclusive perspective will be a basic requirement for marketing. Brands that adopt a wait-and-see approach are running the risk of quickly becoming irrelevant. A Gen Z is already beginning their lives as adults, and they expect inclusion. If you're interested in taking a deeper dive into the key demographic groups that are on the rise, please reach out. SLD has expertise in multicultural and inclusive brand and marketing strategy, and we'd be more than happy to help. Thanks for listening to Think Retail. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time, we discuss how banks can drive greater employee engagement. We hope you'll join us.